If you would, turn to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter number 7 this morning. And I, I hope that you were able to grab the bulletin with the outline this morning. You can follow along there. And if you're in here without a, a Bible, I'm sure that there are others around you that would let you look on. Let's stand this morning out of respect for the Word of God if you're able to. Deuteronomy chapter number 7 and a couple verses here. As we think on this thought, great is thy faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7, beginning in verse number 6. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for being a faithful God. Lord, pray that you would just fix our minds and our hearts on you this morning, that there would be no distractions, Lord, nothing to keep you from speaking to us. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would deal with us. Lord, that we would see that we are a special people, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Lord, thank you for being our faithful God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. This morning, as you think about the Word of God, you think about this portion that we just read, no doubt the target audience that it's dealing with here is the nation of Israel. Now, if you go back and you study some of the history about Israel, you find that Israel was about to enter into the promised land, as it's referred to, the land that God had promised to them. And they had wandered around in the wilderness for about 40 years. Now, in that wilderness wandering, there were many, because of their rebellion, that had died off during this time. And, of course, we always understand, as we study the Word of God, we live the Christian life, that God has promised that He will always bless faithfulness and obedience. But there were some that rebelled against God, and because of that, they found the wilderness journey to be really the end of the life as they knew it. Now, before they were able to enter into this land, this promised land, the man of God at this time was the man by the name of Moses. And Moses, just like I stand here for the Lord this morning declaring the Word of God, in his day, Moses delivers a series of sermons and messages that were designed to help Israel in the generations to come, specifically those, listen now, that were born during that time period of the wandering in the wilderness. Even though they were out in the wilderness, there were many that had children, and they didn't know things that had gone on. They only heard about those things. And so these messages that Moses delivered were messages to help them to understand about the law as God had given to it. Now, the, you come in your Bible to this book known as Deuteronomy. The word Deuteronomy means second law. 
So what is what we find contained in the Word of God here in this book is, is that it's a restatement of the law of God. Look, folks, the key to learning has always been repetition. You know, we hear something and guess what? It doesn't sink in. It goes in this ear, comes out this ear. Uh, we, we, we choose or select to hear things. I, I have discovered the concept of select hearing as I've gotten older. You know, I choose to listen to some things and other things I choose not to listen to. And the children of Israel were no different. Many of them heard what God had to say, and they didn't take it seriously. They didn't take it to heart. And, it, and then you have this generation that comes up during the wilderness journeys that they weren't there when the law was given. Well, guess what? You and I weren't there when the law was given, but God has preserved His Word to our generation so that we can hear it today. Aren't you glad for the Word of God? And God is even faithful to, to do that, to preserve His Word to our generation. And when you look at this generation that, that Moses is referring to here in Deuteronomy chapter number 7, it's a generation just like ours today that needed to know that God was with them, just as God had promised to be there with their fathers. Uh, look, I, I am serious that if you are a parent today and you have children, that yes, he needs to be your God, but your children need to somewhere along the way realize that yes, he is the God of my father, but he is also my God. He needs to be real in their lives. And this generation that Moses is addressing is people that were about to enter the fight of their lives as they entered into this land. They needed divine assurance that when they went into that land that they could depend on God, that God would be trustworthy. As they faced the people of Cana and as they committed their lives to live for the Lord, they needed to know that they could depend on God. And what they would discover in their travels in this new land is that God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. The songwriter wrote, Lord, unto me. You see, they learned that they could trust God's word, that they could believe his promises, that they could depend on his power, that he would see them through no matter what came their way as they made their journey through this new land. You know, every day we experience things, we face things. And the one thing I have discovered in 33 years of being a Christian is this, that I can always depend on God, that God is always going to be there to see me through whatever may come my way. And we need that reminder in our lives. So we're living in days when people, especially God's people, need to be sure that they can trust the Lord. So this morning, it's not a, it's not a very difficult message, but it's one that I think all of us need to hear again just some simple thoughts about our God and how he is the Bible says the faithful God notice the first thing I see is his faithful passion for his people God's faithful passion for his people the Bible says in verse number seven look at it the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of people. I want you to see that the Bible shows us here the reality of God's passion, His passion for them. The Bible says He set His love upon them. That means that 
He passionately desired them. God loved them, and he set his heart on them. He had taken every step. Listen, not they as his people, but he as their God had taken every necessary step to bring them unto him. See, I love how God brings us unto himself. When I look at the love of God, I see that his love is everlasting. Jeremiah said, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, God said these words, I have drawn thee. Notice, it's God that does the drawing. We do not, by nature, we don't want to go to God. God came down to us. And I see his love is everlasting. I also see where Paul talks about in Romans chapter 5 how God's love is expensive. The Bible says God commended his love toward us. Well, how did he do that? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it cost God a great price. His love is God so loved the world that he gave. And, and I, I see how expensive the love of God is. I see how extensive it is in, in John 3.16. He, he, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when I look at the, the reality, look, God set his love. Does not the Bible say this? He loved us before we ever loved him. God loved us while we were unlovely. And the reality is, is that he has set his love upon us. But notice the reaction of God's passion, his passion towards us. The Bible says again in verse number 7, The Lord thy God not only set his love upon us, but he hath chosen thee, the Bible says. That's an interesting word there. The word chosen means to choose, to select, to decide for. Of all the people on the face of the earth that day, God chose that tiny nation of Israel to be the focus of his love, his grace, and his mercy. And boy, I'll tell you, even in, even in 2017, when I look at all the unrest in the Middle East, and I still see that tiny piece of property that God still has his hand upon, that God is still honoring them. And by the way, God has promised to honor those that honor Israel. And I believe that's one of the reasons that America has been blessed, and I hope we continue to support those that are God's people. And I see that God loved them. And this morning, if you are saved, you have come to the place where you know Christ as your Savior. The Bible tells us that if we are saved, the Word of God says that we also are chosen by God. Look what it says in Ephesians 1.4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. One writer wrote it this way. He said that if you look at the outside of the door of salvation, the outside of the door of salvation would say, whosoever will, let him come. But if you walk through that door and you look back, on the other side of that door that says, whosoever will let him come, says, chosen before the foundation of the world. Jesus died to save sinners from their sins. We are all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And anyone that comes to him will be saved by him. The only way a person can be saved 
is through the Lord Jesus Christ. John 6, 37, all the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast him out. You see, I find here that there is the reality of his love, that he set his love upon us, and there is the reaction of his love that he has chosen us. But look at the reasons for his passion. Why did God choose Israel? Well, again, when you look back in verse number 7, God says it wasn't because you were numerically superior. It wasn't because you were the most. Matter of fact, you were the fewest. You look at Christians today, we have always been the minority in this world. God says, I didn't choose you because you were a great people. He, he did not choose them because of any quality that they possessed in himself. And we realize without God, we can do nothing. And without God, we are nothing. But in verse number eight, look at it because God tells them why he chose them. Look at verse eight again. Because the Lord loved you. Honestly, if the verse ended right there, that'd be enough. But look what the rest of the verse says. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he explains to them why. Why would God choose them? And what we see here is that God tells them he did it because of his will. Because the Lord loved them. There's no reason given other than he loved them. Now, you look at that. He set his love upon them. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to. You ever pulled that with your children? You know, why do we have to? Because I said so. Why did God set his love upon Israel? Because he wanted to. Because he chose to. See, he did it because of his will, but he also did it because of his word. Remember what we just read? The promises that he had made to their fathers. God is faithful that he keeps every promise that he's ever made. God's never broke one promise. God's never let you down. Oftentimes we think God has, but the truth is, is that God, because of his grace towards Israel, he had to do what his promise to their fathers said he would do. He had made some very specific promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and on the basis of those promises, God kept his word. That's what he did. He redeemed them. He had chosen them. He blessed them. Why? Because of the promises that God had made to them. See, God did not save us because he saw something good in us. The Bible says that there is none good, no, not one. You see, I find that all of us have gone astray. We have all turned ourselves to his own way. I also see that God did not save us because he saw that we would be an asset someday to his kingdom. The reality is we were dead in our trespasses and sins, the word of God says. God did not save us based on anything that we did, anything that we were, anything that we said, anything that we prayed, or anything that we possessed. God saved us because of another. In other words, God saved us because Jesus died for us on the cross of Calvary. The only reason that any of us ever get saved is because of Jesus. You see, I love to think about this morning his passion for his people. God has a faithful passion for his people. But we also need to understand from Deuteronomy chapter number 7, God's performance for his people. 
Because God, look, once God saved them, once God redeemed them, God continued to work in their lives. Hey, do you remember what it was like? I, I still remember, it's been 33 years ago, what my life was before Christ. And I think about all the things in my life that have happened since I met Jesus as my Savior. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you something. Those were not the good old days. I would not go back for $1 million to what it was like before I met Christ. But I think about how rich my life has been since. Now, you can look at my bank account. There's not much there. But listen, there are riches that only God can give. God can bless one's life. And I love to see how God works in people's lives, the performance that God has. Look, God's not only passionate about His people, but God continues to perform. Look, it is God that is doing it, not we ourselves. God wants to use your life, and we need to see here from this passage, again, going back to verse number 7, notice He desired them. He set His love upon them. God wouldn't stop at nothing until he had redeemed them. He had called them. He had blessed them. He had sheltered them. He had provided for Israel. He worked in their history in many different providential ways to bring them unto himself. And you know, God's done the same thing for us. Can you go back in your mind and think about all the ways? Now look, I can tell you that when it was happening, I didn't realize it was God working in my life. But after I got saved and I looked back down the road, I can see all the ways that it was God working. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? I, I am so glad that I can see of the providential ways. I can tell you some very foolish things that I did in my own life that honestly, two or three of them could have cost me my life. But because God had decided that he had something for my life. God preserved my life. And I love to think about how God is performing, how God is continuing to work in our lives. We need to consider how the Lord even brought about conviction in our lives to draw us to the Lord Jesus Christ when it came to this matter of salvation. When God goes after a lost sinner like a shepherd goes after a sheep, he does whatever it takes to bring them to faith in Christ. Look at John 6, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Now notice that word there. That's the Bible. That's not my word. Draw him. And he says, and I will raise him up at the last day. That word draw means to drag. That's what it means. God sometimes has to drag us. You ever had to do that with your child? drag them somewhere. You know, people say, I've heard uh, some preachers get up and say, you know, I was a drug baby. And they're like, what? Yeah, my mom drugged me to church every time there was a church service. You know, ever, ever since I, I, you know, when, when my wife and I, when we got married and we started having children, our children never had a choice. Sunday was the Lord's day. We got up and we got ready and then we got the kids ready and we went to church. That's the way it's been in our home ever since uh, we had children in our home. Now they're grown and they're making their, their choices. And I just pray they'll continue to, 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 to follow the Lord and be in the house of God. But I love the, the word here is that God has drawn the sinner. 
The sinner cannot, will not come on his own, so what does God do? God drags them. God draws them unto himself. God reached down to those who lack the ability to reach up to him. In other words, God reached way down for me. I think about the, the life that we were living. The Bible says that when we were yet without strength in due time, God, notice, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, he desired them. And then notice, what did he do? He delivered them. You go back to verse number 8. And he reminds them, look at the words there, out with a mighty hand, and he redeemed them out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God just didn't love them. I mean, and by the way, that would have been enough. But beyond that love, he called them out. He purchased them unto himself. Uh, You see this in Exodus chapter number 12, when you go back to the picture there of the Passover lamb and the, the blood that was shed, and it was placed on the doors of the houses, and and with that blood, it purchased, uh, was made by an innocent substitute and how God brought them through the, the series of miracles that they encountered there and he delivered them from their captivity. And then what did he do? He set them free. That's exactly what he did for us. The Lord Jesus Christ has made it to where you and I, who are saved by the blood of the lamb, we're free. We're free from a life of bondage. You see, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at Revelation 5, 9. They sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Look, the Bible tells us he redeemed us. But not only did he redeem us, he delivered us from the bondage of sin. Look at Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. You see, it's the grace of God that we can be redeemed. And so he, he desired them. He set his love upon them. He delivered them. But then notice, what does he then do? He develops them. Look back in verse number six of our passage. He says, thou art in holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. They are a holy people. A special people. Now these words are interesting. The word holy carries the idea of something that is set apart for God's use. A sacred use. You see, when you get saved, you realize that your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is His. Now many times we're selfish. We think it's my life, it's my body. No, 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 no. You're missing it. The Bible clearly tells us that we are a, to be a holy people because God says, I am holy, therefore be holy. But he also uses the word special. You're a special people. This word is a great word because here's what it does. It carries the idea of a treasure. God says, you are a treasure unto me. You are something very valuable to me. When he was speaking about Israel, he was telling them that he had set them apart as his treasure, why? For his glory. That God would get the glory out of that nation, out of those people. And I see in the New Testament the same principle. That God wants to get the glory out of our lives also. That everything we do should be for the glory of God. And it's a reminder how God wants to work. But look, when we think about who we were before we got saved, we were clearly children of the devil. And we didn't have a desire to live for the Lord. Uh, We were content on doing the will 
of our father at that time. And if we're, we weren't saved, God wasn't our father, the devil was. And look what the Bible says in John 8, 44. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Remember what, what that was like before you got saved? Some of the things you did, that's because he was your father, you were doing his will. But I love the fact that after we get saved, look, we might have lived that way, but once God set his love upon us, now we are a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When God saved us, you know what he did? He placed his spirit within us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You know what we became when we got saved? Our bodies became the very temple of God himself. That God dwells, as it says there, in us. And so we see his faithful passion. God is very passionate about his people, but we also see his faithful performance. That once we are saved, that God continues to work in our lives. But then I love what he mentions here. Look at thirdly, we need to know his faithful promises to his people. God makes many promises. By the way, you study the Word of God, the more you study it, the more promises you're going to find in the Word of God. Uh, some of you ought to take time. I know there's some Bibles out there that you could purchase that have already all the promises uh, highlighted or marked. Listen, you, you yourself need to discover the promises in the Word of God. And I love to think here how that He is faithful to those promises. Why is He faithful to those promises? He's faithful to those promises because of His name. See, every name that the Bible has magnifies and tells us more about who God is. In this passage, he is called God. Now, that particular title that is used there describes one who is overall. He is the one in charge of all things. He's also called the Lord thy God. I love that phrase there, the Lord thy God. This is indicative of the fact that he is the eternal, self-existent one. He is the one who keeps faith with his people. I love it where it says, the Lord thy God. That word thy, there is a personal pronoun. And what it does is it indicates or reminds us of a relationship of the covenant-keeping Lord that we have and that he will keep his promises with us. See, the God we serve, you know what he is? He's a God that is faithful to all of his promises. God keeps his word on every promise that he has ever made, even in the area of forgiveness of sins. And aren't you glad for that? Because every day of our lives, we find ourselves doing something that we ought not to do. And yet, what does the Bible say in 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, here it is. He is faithful and just to forgive us of what? All sin. He forgives us of our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You know, he is faithful because of his name, but notice he is faithful because of his nature. He is called the faithful God. The word faithful speaks of God as one who supports. God is one that confirms. God is one that establishes things in our lives. And by the way, God is one that can be believed. I love the fact that it says here, that it helps us understand his nature, that God can be trusted. He is the one, as it says in the word of God, that keepeth covenant and mercy. God will always stand by his word. You know why? Because he's faithful. You know, God's word is true. And it, the Bible says, in, look at Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. 
Hath he said, and shall he not do it? And hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? See, he is the one that is, that is keeping his word. He will do everything that he said that he will do. God can be depended on. I read a story a while back about a, an older gentleman. He was out one day, and he had, he had some time, and so he made his way down to the beach, and it was starting to get late in the day. It was about dawn. And as he walked, he noticed that the beach was covered with all kinds of starfish. He saw them laying everywhere. He remembered looking at all those, as far as his eye could see, he saw starfish. And then up ahead of him, he noticed this little boy. He saw this little boy doing something, and he realized the little boy was bending down and picking up starfish after starfish, and he was flinging them back into the sea. And he, 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 he sped up his walk. He was curious about this little boy, what he was doing, and when he caught up to the little boy, he asked him what he was doing, and the boy said, well, I'm, I'm picking these starfish up and throwing them back into the sea so that they don't die. And the old man looked at him and said, well, the beach goes on for miles and miles, son, and there are thousands of starfish. He says, how can your effort make any difference? Well, the boy stu stood there for just a second. Then he bent down, he picked up a starfish, and he flung it into the sea, and he said it made a difference to that one. <laughs> you see, no matter how hard I try, and by the way, I could try to, to where I could wear myself out, I can't help everyone. I can't make a difference in everyone's life, but there's a God in heaven that can. God can make a difference in your life. Great is thy faithfulness. God wants to make a difference in people's lives. There's a God in heaven who wants to help everyone. He is faithful. He knows, look, just like those starfish, God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, God is pleading with you today, would you come to Him? Would you put your faith in the one who has already given the most precious gift that he ever had, and that was his own dear son, so that you could have a home in heaven. God doesn't want, he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And those of us that are saved, may we be reassured this morning and encouraged that no matter what happens in our lives, we have a God that is always faithful. The songwriter sat down one day and he picked up his pen and God began to give him some words to write. What came across his heart flowed through his pen that day. We sing it many times. The words are, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies. I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. God is a faithful God. And if you don't know him today, would you come and trust him? And if you are saved, you ought to thank the Lord this morning for his faithfulness in your life. And may we be faithful 
to a God who has been faithful to us. Would you bow your heads this morning? With our heads bowed, no one looking around this morning. I believe God's spoken to hearts this morning through this avenue of the nation of Israel. Certainly the application can be made to Israel, but I see clearly from the Word of God today that God's reminded me of His passion for us. God has set His love upon us. God cares about you. He loves you. And He wants you to know Him as your Savior. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, understand that God has set His love upon you. But God also, for those of us that know Him, God continues to work on our behalf. He works together for good to them that know the Lord. And I see God's promises. Everything that God has ever said to us that He would do, He will do it. It may be in His timing, but He will do it. And what you and I need to do is trust Him. Only trust Him. And I hope this morning and every day of your life that you have learned to depend on Him. And you know why you can? Because He's faithful. Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. Lord, if there are those that need to trust you as Savior, that, Lord, today they would come. And if there are those that need to come, maybe for scriptural baptism, maybe praying about church membership, or if there's a need in their lives, Lord, I pray that they would come to the faithful God, the one that can do something for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me this morning?